The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We are glad you're with us today. I'm Reverend Dan Beckett here with co-host Reverend Michelle Jellinch. Together, we share ways that spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your recovery journey. Facebook users, you can send us your questions and comments anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the Send Message button right below the banner. Each week on the show, we'll respond to a listener question or comment. Be sure that your anonymity will always be respected, so please let us know what's on your mind. We'd love to hear from you. Today's show is titled, A Life Worth Living. In addiction, many of us become down, even perhaps deeply depressed. Now that we are in recovery, how can we create a new life of vitality and purpose? A life that repairs body and soul and becomes truly satisfying? Today we want to share our experience, strength, and hope on creating a new life in recovery, a life worth living. Yes, so we'll begin today by sharing our experiences of that lethargy and that feeling down. And then we'll move into the solution of the power of life. After the break, we'll share exactly how the power of life helped us to move from that lethargy to a life of vitality and purpose. So, Dan, start us off today and tell us a little bit about what that lethargy was or is like for you. What it's like today, because I was feeling some of it on this yeah. very day. Yeah, exactly. So there's a clue that, um, you know, it's just I've, I recognize that that, you know, having down parts of the cycle of life is just part of how it is. And I realize now that um, that doesn't mean there's anything wrong and there's a problem. Maybe it means I just need to take some time and take a breath and not worry about getting stuff done and you know so what if i don't feel like doing things now if i felt that way all the time that might be different um and certainly uh in my life and in active addiction and uh in recovery though it's gotten a lot better i've had many periods of what i would call low level depression Uh, Mm -hmm. what that means to me is uh just sort of a the the best image that i can conjure is sort of like a gray cloud kind of following me around, you know, floating over my head. It's not pouring rain. 
Um, you know, I didn't um, refuse to leave the house or draw the blinds and not get out of bed. It wasn't that bad for me. Um, but it was just sort of, a, you know, feeling bland, and who cares and whatever. And, yeah, I guess I'll do this because I have to. Um, that kind of uh, feeling. And I'm sure that, you know, part of the reason that I drank part of the reason I self-medicated with alcohol was to feel okay, you know, to be yes. comfortable in the world, to feel, to feel good. And, you know, cause you know, you get that happy feeling comfortable and everything's right. okay. At least at first, you know, and of course you, one can go way too far. Right. Um, but that was my experience of lethargy. Now I said it, it's still around some, but like if it was right. a volume knob, and it was on nine before. Mm -hmm. It's like on three yeah. or four, maybe. And yeah. and then there are plenty of times when it's you know it's not on. I'm not aware of it at all. And so things have absolutely gotten a lot better with that. Yes, I relate to that so much. I think a lot of folks probably do. And we were talking before the show about how neither one of us can really think of anyone we know in recovery that doesn't or hasn't suffered from some um, degree of depression seems to be a very common thing with folks in recovery um, from various types of addictions. And I think all the various addictions were our various ways of trying to cope with that depression and trying to self-medicate that depression, trying to, as you said, just feel okay, just trying to feel okay. Um, I didn't know that I was depressed until much later, you know, until after I was sober, I started to put names on these things that I had experienced previously, but I didn't know what they were. And mine is similar to yours in that I, I would call it a low-grade chronic depression, something that I didn't know I had been suffering from pretty much my whole life. Um, but I was very functional, and I, like you, did not have, you know, the not being able to get out of bed type of depression, um, but sort of more of a free-floating, uh, just kind of constant or varying levels of depression. But uh, certainly there were times that it became much more acute. Um, and then as we were also discussing before the show, I, I'm only realizing in the last few years the way that anxiety uh, relates to depression. I really feel that they are two sides of the same coin and often um, we suffer from both of them uh, in varying degrees and at different times. But now I'm starting to put a label onto those feelings that I've had for many, many years, starting to realize that they are actually, you know, a type of chronic sort of free-floating anxiety. So the, the benefit to labeling those things is, you know, it's like, okay, this is what it is. I don't have to be wondering what's wrong with me. I don't have to be feeling bad about myself because I feel this way. This is a real thing. And now I can go about the business of managing it. So, um, you know, I used to manage it with uh, alcohol and cigarettes and, you know, whatever other various types of behaviors I could get myself involved in that would take the take the heat off or take the edge off or whatever you know and um, now I have a whole slew of ways that I manage it and I'll probably talk about that more a little bit later but um, yeah so I I get that I know what that that just sort of sluggish um, what are we calling it lethargy that just 
Ugh, that dark cloud feeling. I think a lot of folks can probably relate to that. And it's really not fun. It's not fun at all. No. And I was saying before the show, you know, how ironic that we, so many of us that are alcoholics, you know, poured a depressant on top of that. Like the last <laughs> thing we needed was more depressant producing, you know, but, but that's what we did. So we were just trying to cope the best way we knew. I also didn't know at the time. You know, thinking back, just like you just like you shared, I didn't know back then that I was depressed and or anxious. Yeah. Because it didn't seem it wasn't loud. You know, mm -hmm. it, like like I said, I it's not that I couldn't get out of bed, you know. Right. And so because it wasn't uh, that intense. Um, and it didn't keep me from functioning in the world. You know, I could have a job and earn money and go to movies and, and all that. I didn't, I didn't see it as anything. It was like, it was as if it was invisible to me. Yeah. Um, because I thought, I don't know what I thought, but I didn't realize that I had yeah. uh, what the, the world will call depression. And like you said, the other side of the coin in my experience, at least with depressions, anxiety. I'm yes. not a doctor. I can't tell you exactly why that is, but I can tell you they were in, you know, hand in hand yeah. for me. I'm not sure exactly why, but, you know, many, many friends and others uh, in recovery that I know or have talked to share very similar experiences to what you and I are talking about. You know, not, not realizing what was going on, um, feeling like, oh, I'm fine, you know, I'm fine, leave me alone, that was part of my deal, I didn't want, yeah. I, I was not inclined to share with people what was going on with me, I kept yeah. everything to myself, which of course didn't help, now I've learned to talk and sometimes I don't shut up. Right, <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about, I never do that. <laughs> Yeah, you know, if you've always sort of felt that way, then you don't identify it as being something really even notable because it's the way you've always felt. It's interesting, you know, we're, we're talking about how our depression wasn't too bad or it wasn't too severe, but, you know, we were also medicating it. So what can happen, and this happened to me a little bit, is that when we stop medicating it with drugs or alcohol or whatever the, um, you know, addictive behavior or substance is, sometimes it can actually seem to get worse, you know, because we were managing it with those things. And so it's not unusual, I think, that once we start abstaining from all of those things, which were our coping mechanisms, um, then all of a sudden the depression has free reign because it's not being, you know, it's not being managed by those things that we were doing. So if that happens to you in, you know, early recovery or say in the first few years of recovery, I think that's a very normal and natural thing, although it can be very disconcerting to be three, four years sober and find yourself depressed. You know, that, that happened to me. And it's like, wait, you know, I'm supposed to be feeling better. But I believe that that's part of the peeling away, you know, process of, of peeling back those layers of like, okay, this is this is really what was always underneath it, but I was masking it with alcohol or cigarettes or food or relationships or whatever it was. And so as not fun as it is to find that you're depressed when you're a 
a ways into your sobriety, it is the next step in beginning to, you know, really look at what's going on and find other healthier ways to manage it because there are other ways to manage it that are actually much, uh, much more effective and more functional. So, but that can be a bit disconcerting. You know, it's like, I'm supposed to be, you know, I got sober to be happy, joyous, and free. Why am I depressed? And that was definitely my, um, my experience that once those things were, those things that I was doing to keep the depression at bay were removed, then I was just left with the feelings and I had to really do some real work around that. You know, I remember it's been probably about a year ago, there was an article in the New York Times that described depression and anxiety in the U.S. as an epidemic. Yeah. And, I, you know, I don't know what's going on with the whole rest of the country with it, but in a way I felt some sense of relief like, oh, it's not just me. Yeah. You know, it's not like a personal failing. It's not a moral right. failing. This is very, very common Amazing, in our society. Yeah. And... Um, that article was pre-COVID, right? So in the last eight or nine months, I've heard statistics that um, things like depression and anxiety are, are up 30%, wow. especially among younger people. So if you're listening yeah. to this and you're, have, you know, you're walking your own path with depression and anxiety, you are not alone. Mm -hmm. And um, there are things that can be done. So I hope that um, if you're experiencing some of these exact things that uh, Reverend Michelle and I are talking about experiencing, they absolutely got better um, yes. the longer I stayed sober. And, and, and that idea that, you know, I, I quit drinking and, and so all of a sudden what can happen, just like you said, I get hit more full force yep. with the reality of my, my inner landscape. But the upside of that is that now as a sober person, I have a genuine opportunity to walk a healing path yes. for it, and it works. Yes. It just takes time. You know, what do we say? It works till it doesn't. You know, the alcohol worked for a little while, but then, ooh, yeah. it didn't work at all. So let's um, shift our gears here. Now that we know about this challenge of lethargy, what is the solution? Well, in unity, as we always share, we affirm that all of life is governed by spiritual principles. Yes, and our Unity co-founder, Charles Fillmore, developed a set of 12 spiritual principles that he called the 12 powers. And we know that these are 12 spiritual abilities that we all have, but that we can learn to use more effectively on our spiritual path towards our spiritual growth. And the power that can help us move out of lethargy and co-create with God a life of vitality and purpose is the power of life. And that's what we want to focus on today. But life seems uh, simple enough in concept to understand. But what do we mean by it as a spiritual power? How does it have anything to do uh, with recovery? And how can I, as you say, um, learn to use it more effectively in our spiritual growth? But first of all, what is it? So, Michelle, when you think about the 12 powers and the power of life, what comes to mind for you? Yeah, you know, we were talking before the show that this this is a deceptively simple concept, you know, life. It seems like it should be pretty straightforward, but it's almost, it's like, well, what, what exactly is that? I mean, it's hard to sort of put a finger on because life, it's life. I mean, what do you mean? What is it? It's life. But what are we talking about here? So it's defined as the ability to energize and animate. 
not sure that that helps terribly. I mean, energy and animation would be the opposite of lethargy. So that I guess we could think of it that way. It's it's not lethargy. It's it's motivation and enthusiasm and zeal and um, you know forward motion and all of that. Um, but another thing that it really seems to be to me is it's about having purpose. And I think that when we have purpose, that life force and that life energy comes along naturally with that because that's sort of the nature of purpose. You know, before I got clean, before I got sober, I, I don't know what I thought my purpose was, but, um, after I got sober and got onto a spiritual path, my purpose became a spiritual one. So my purpose became to know God more, to walk a more spiritual path, to be in closer daily contact with my higher power, um, to learn, to grow, to be, you know, progressing forward on my spiritual path. And that was a big shift for me from, you know, uh, career ambition or academic ambition or whatever my purpose was before that, um, getting drunk, having a good time, whatever. <laughs> but, you know, once my actual purpose in life became basically, I would say a closer walk with God, you know, if I had to boil it down, that's really what it boils down to is a closer relationship, a closer walk through this life with my higher power, then that purpose energized everything in my life. And I still use that today because I get, I get, um, uh, I get, uh, what's the word I'm trying to say? I get um, distracted from my purpose. I get off path. You know, I start thinking my purpose is to make money or my purpose is to have a certain relationship or my purpose is to be successful in my career. And whenever I do that, um, I'm not in alignment and the life force is weakened. But when I get back on path that my number one purpose is a closer relationship with the God of my understanding, then that life force just comes right in to support that. Yeah, the word that comes to mind is one that we shared in the opening, vitality. You know, that's sort of the closest single word that I have come up with to um, represent the power of life. It's it's that vital energy. You know, it it, yeah. it is animation in the in in the meaning of um, oh, we don't have enough words. Life. You know, like the Frankenstein's monster, an animated yeah, life. Yeah. It was dead and then it was alive, yeah. and so. You know, injecting life or um, experiencing the life that is within us, the vitality, uh, activity, or vigor. Uh, I've heard it described, life is the energy that propels all forms to action. You know, it's it, it underpins all that we are. Um, and I know that, so, so my experience in life, especially um, pre- sobriety my life was kind of a roller coaster at least emotionally because yeah. i i certainly had uh, enough depression anxiety and that sort of down feeling that we were talking about before but then i also had this kind of vitality in me that would surface from time to time yeah. and i get very energized about an idea or a project or mm -hmm. you know doing something or going somewhere or something like that and so that was, um, you know, sort of a focused period uh, right. in the mix along with everything else that was going on. And so I found in sobriety that I could 
recognize that and, and draw on it and say, okay, I'm, it's not like I'm 100% down, even though sometimes I might feel like I am. That's not true at all. I have a, a vitality in me that I know that we all do that I can point at and say, okay, there's this also. And so this is a good thing to have and to balance um, the other and to work on and with and, and to work toward a more balanced life um, by uh, walking the recovery path, you know, do, doing what has been suggested. I know I say that a lot, but I found a tremendous um, I found it tremendously helpful uh, when I would just simply do what people who had been down this road before me suggested and it was yeah. the simplest things, you know, go to 90 meetings in 90 days and, and get a home group, you know, make a commitment to a home group and get a sponsor and work the steps, you know, just it seemed to me like they were not difficult to understand. That doesn't mean they were all necessarily easy to do, right. but they weren't difficult to, to understand. And so I could use some of that vital energy that is in me that I know is in everyone to uh, slog through, if you will, some of the more difficult times, because, like you said, I have a purpose now. Even if my purpose was just the, you know, the next recovery meeting right. that I'm going to, that's quite enough. That's a good uh, purpose, because out of that will grow, in my experience, grew many other things. You know, we, we, we can't really... We have this great power of imagination, but that doesn't mean that we can envision everything good that can come our way or that is coming our way. We have to show up yep. for it you know, with an open mind. Yes, gosh, you've said so much. I'm trying to figure out what I want to <laughs> speak to. Um, you were talking about, you know, getting that a sort of temporary bursts of energy when you were doing a certain project or something. And I think that when that happens, sometimes it can be because we are doing something that is aligned with our purpose. And our purpose, you know, is, is basically, you know, we're give, we're each given these talents, these uh, natural proclivities, you know, our own individual path, our own individual purpose, whatever that is, doing that thing that we love, that thing that makes our hearts sing, that thing that we're good at, that thing that benefits the world. And so I think that when we're doing those things, any of those things, um, that's when naturally that, that umph comes in, that life force, that, uh, that animating that animating force that gives us that energy to complete that project. The, the difference is that once we're on a recovery path and on a spiritual path, that project is sort of, I mean, that project, that purpose becomes a permanent one. It's not just a temporary thing while I'm doing this one project. It's, it's sort of, it's, it's, it's the whole purpose of our life. Our, the purpose of our life becomes our own spiritual growth and improvement. And, you know, at first we think it's maybe just staying sober was our purpose, but then we realize that it's so much more than that because staying sober or staying clean from our addiction requires us to be on this spiritual path. They go hand in hand. They're not, they're inseparable. There is no spiritual aspect of the program. The program is a spiritual program. That doesn't mean that it's necessarily about 
God per se, but it's a spiritual program. It's about nurturing and developing and growing our own spirit. So once that is the purpose of our life, then everything else flows from that. And I believe that when we're in alignment with what is ours to do, that natural vigor and vitality um, is naturally there. That doesn't mean that I feel vital and vigorous all the time because I certainly don't, but it does become a much more sustainable thing because I can always come back to that purpose again. Yeah, I've, I've heard somewhere along the way the, the, the recovery program, you know, the whole 12-step way of moving forward is a design for living, right? Yes. It's a whole different way of approaching life than I had ever known anything about. Mm -hmm. And I realized that one reason that, um, you know, my life was sort of a, a roller coaster like it was of ups and downs is because I really lacked um, what I've heard described as internal support for my life experiences. Yeah. I, I didn't have the tools to, to deal with these ups and downs and the uncertainty and all that kind of thing. But I learned that in the program mm -hmm. and, you know, through other uh, pieces of my uh, self-care plan that I have in place, you know, social things. I do individual counseling is very important to me. Yes. Um, but walking this whole, and just like you said, the, you know, the, the center point becomes um, one of a, it's a spiritual thing. It's not to make money, more money. It's not right. to, um, even to live in a certain place or have a, you know, a big house or whatever it right. might be. It, it is to live in relation with uh, God as I understand God, which yes. I know it sounds strange to say is not a religious thing, no. believe it or not. You know, religion is about doctrine right. and, um, you know, rules and everything's figured out and you just have to learn it. That's not this at all. This is an internal exploration. It unfolds within us uh, one moment at a time, and we don't need a book or a person to tell us what all that means. We just have to show up for it. You know, we need, we need guidance for how to show up, but no one can give us the experience of um, spiritual growth, right? The, People can help us create the space where it naturally happens. And that's what I have experienced or noticed happening in the rooms um, as we learn this, de uh, you know, design for living. And so I just lack the support. So if I'd have a burst of energy, it'd feel good for a while. And then, you know, it would fade. And then I'd feel kind of stupid, like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. And yeah. why did I say I would do that? And yeah. You know, it would just kind of fuel a down, uh, a downturn, a down cycle piece of it, and hence the roller coaster. Yeah. And I know that you've described that, and I know many, many, many of us have had that exact experience. But it does get better. So let's hold on to that because it's time for a short break. And when we come back, we will continue the conversation. Please stay with us. Experience the difference. 
Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back indeed, and we are glad you're with us today. If you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Dan Beckett, and I'm here with our co-host, Reverend Michelle Jellich. We will resume our discussion in just a moment, but first we want to remind you that you can send us your questions and feedback anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Message us from there, and each week we'll respond during the show to a listener question or comment. And be assured that your anonymity will always be respected. So please let us know what's on your mind. So prior to the break, we were discussing first um, that feeling of lethargy and sort of depression, uh, lack of motivation or energy that we felt in maybe before recovery or an early recovery and that we sometimes still feel today. And then we moved into talking about the power of life and that energizing uh, force that gives us vitality and vigor. So, Dan, now that we have discussed the lethargy and we know that the solution is the power of life, let's talk about how we use the power of life to move from that lethargy and depression into vitality and purpose. Well, I'm not sure that I did it directly. Uh, You know, I don't. I don't use I don't tend to think of it in these terms but I know right. that that's what was you know sort of operating uh, under the surface you know at at the more of a spiritual level because and I feel like I'm just going to continue what we were discussing before you know I, I begin you know my life began to be much more what I would call on purpose like you were sharing about yeah having a purpose even if the purpose at first was just not, don't drink and go to meetings, you know, if that's the only thing I could do at first, that was fine. But I, at least I had a, a major aim and a goal and a purpose in my life, as simple as that was. Now, of course, um, more is always revealed. The longer we walk this path, things change and shift and new opportunities come up and it's, it doesn't remain only about don't drink and go to meetings, even if that's where it began. Right. Right. It, it turns into uh, other opportunities. We, we start talking early on about service opportunities, you know, just showing up to do something for others. And the example we always use, because it, it's so ubiquitous, I think, is making the coffee for the yeah. group. And the times that I've shown up early to make the coffee, I feel like I have... I mean, it's a little, I'll be a little grandiose like we are sometimes. You know, this is like my my spiritual duty, my contribution to the consciousness of the group. Yeah. Even though I'm just making coffee. And then when anyone would come in and pour a cup of coffee, I would notice and I would feel good that I had been able to be uh, a part of it. I had a, I had a program friend that uh, whose life, you know, earlier on was very high-flying, you know, lots of wealth and fame and all that and she shared that when she came in the room and and her sponsor said um you're gonna make the coffee she's like wait a second no no people make coffee for me i don't make (laughs) up but she's shared that story because that's where she began but she made the coffee anyway for other people and it's just such a 
you know, a simple act of service. So even if my life purpose just started out, don't drink and go to meetings, and then it turned into be a helpful presence at yeah. the meetings, you know, be willing to chair a meeting, sign up on the calendar uh, when that was appropriate, um, you know, become part of the group leadership. I was the treasurer in my home group uh, for a period of time. Um, that was a way I could be helpful. And then, you know, just being part of the group, being one of the bunch, being an equal among equals and being part of the community. Yes. Just that right there uh, gave me a, a kind of an anchor point. Then, of course, you know, everything has grown from there. I won't go on about everywhere my life has gone since then, but uh, began to have a sense of purpose in my life. And that that power of life is what was driving that, you know, just showing up and yeah. sure, I'll make the coffee and yes, I'll chair the meeting and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, making the coffee is no small service. I'm here to tell you. Coffee is very important. And we have a dear one at our in our church in our congregation right now who um, is the official coffee maker, and I call him the minister of coffee. And he takes this job very seriously. And, you know, there is a sort of chop wood, carry water aspect to doing things like making coffee. You know, what is it the Buddha said? You know, before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. After enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. And it's the idea that those simple acts of service that we do for others are very important. They're important for our own humility, and they're important for the people for whom we do them. Um, I greatly appreciate the person that shows up and makes me a coffee on Sunday mornings. It's a, It seems like a very simple thing, but to me, it's a wonderful act of service that goes a long way. And so I think that when we have that kind of purpose, which is to to serve our own or another's spiritual growth and preferably both, um, that's where that purpose comes in and gives us that life force and that vitality. I was thinking, you know, we're talking about, we have been talking for many weeks now about the 12 powers and life being one of them. And the thing about the 12 powers, as we've mentioned many times, is that we already have them. You know, it's not like we need to get the power of life. Right. The power of life is inherent to us. It's in us. You know, I like to think about a seed. You know, this is the kind of, I, I'm in awe of things in nature. Like, you know, we can, we can explain how a seed cracks open and the little bit of seedling starts to go up through the soil, but we can't tell why. Like, why? What is that? What tells that seed to crack open and start growing upwards towards the light, you know, what is that? To me, that's that life force. And um, it's a miracle. I'm in awe of it, that that a seed knows how to do that. But th what is the seed doing? It's in the darkness of the soil, right? And it's reaching up for the light. And at the risk of sounding incredibly poetic, you know, that's what we're all doing. We are all reaching for the light. And as we as we try to get more light, more God, more spirituality, more beauty, more consciousness, more of all of that, that's, that's what propels us. That's what gives us that vigor and that vitality because we are reaching up through the darkness of life and trying to reach out and touch more light. And so that power of life is there. It's inherent. It may be dormant. It may be covered over by the soil of life, but it's there. We don't have to get it all we have to do is uncover it all we have to do is remove that which is impeding it that which is 
robbing us of it, you know? And so we begin this process that we do in the 12 steps of, of cleaning out and clearing out. And it's a lifelong process. And the more of that debris and detritus of life that we clear out, the easier it is for us to reach the light. And that's the, that's the 12 steps. As you shared about the coffee minister, I was remembering that sort of early in our, uh, my family's career going to Unity Church, we like to bring donuts. You know, I, I wasn't serving uh, the church. We were just going on Sundays, right? But they always had some, uh, you know, water laid out and coffee and tea and maybe some cookies and maybe some donuts. And it was clear that people were just bringing these things, right? And so we thought it was fun to stop on the way up at Krispy Kreme or whatever and get um, a box of donuts to take in. And it was just a, a way to be a little bit more part of what yep. was going on um, without, you know, taking any kind of serious commitment. You know, the right. role didn't have a name. And no one was going to, if we didn't bring donuts the following week, say, where's the donuts? Right. You know, it was just something that we could could do. Um, early on in recovery for me, the path of uh, prosperity, you know, the spiritual understanding of prosperity was critically important. Mm -hmm. It became a focal point. It became, it became a, almost like the field in which I could really learn principles of giving of letting go, you know, doing forgiveness work, of, of asking what, what is mine to do? What do I want in life? And being able to articulate those things and then also being able to let them go, you know, yeah. as things change. Just because I wanted, uh, you know, if I had a, a particular goal at one point, I don't have to keep that goal my entire life. You know, I can, I can let it go and, and go with whatever uh, is coming up for me. And then one of the principles that I was taught was to have some kind of purpose. And it didn't have to be a grand purpose. It could be, you know, if I liked, um, if I liked making, if I liked sewing and making quilts, my purpose could be to make quilts, yeah. the most beautiful quilts that I could make, not that you could imagine, or not that I could imagine, but just make quilts and do it with integrity and purpose and that something like that can be a life purpose you know i know people that just love to feed other people yeah. they just sort of have a love of food and cooking and and want nothing more than to be able to be the one providing uh food for others i know in the in islam that's a central tenet we had neighbors uh who are muslim in the past and they would regularly bring by wonderful food mm. for us for no reason at all other yeah. than it was important to them to be That's given nice. in that way. Yeah. And so I, you know, I found in, on the path of prosperity in the unity uh, banner. And I felt like, you know, I, I walked through the door, uh, the sign above the door said prosperity. Little did I know that what I was really learning was a spiritual way of living. That yeah. the deeper I got, I realized this has nothing to do with what I'm calling prosperity as I know it, you know, certainly it does, but doesn't have to. This is about life, you know, and my life is working so much better now than it ever has before. Well, let's bring Jesus in because we are team Jesus here. 
That's right. You know, Jesus said that I came that you should have life and have life abundantly. And I don't think he meant that your pockets should be full of money. You know, I think he was talking about what we're talking about today, that life, that the life vitality and vigor in you would be abundant, you know, and that is prosperity, right? That's what you're talking about. I like the thing about the quilts, you know, I don't know who said if I, I, somebody said this, but, you know, find that thing that makes your heart sing and then do that, whatever that thing is, you know, um, I believe that we all have it and maybe more than one thing, many things. And part of living is finding out what is it that makes my heart sing? When do I feel that life force flowing most freely through me? And, and if that thing that makes your heart sing also helps another, then even better. You know, and it doesn't have to be another person. It could be things that help nature, that help the environment, that help animals. You know, I am happiest when I am with animals, you know, petting my pets or, or you know, whatever. Spending time in nature, um, th those are things that really make my heart sing. So do those things because that which makes our heart sing is also, I believe, aligned with that which benefits our planet. And um, so that's how we can get into that. You know, you and I have been doing this series on in the flow of life. And that's sort of what Butterworth is talking about is when we're in the flow of life, that's when we feel that vitality and that vigor because we're doing that which we were born to do. And somewhere in the big book, it talks about, you know, we, we absolutely insist on enjoying life. We did not get sober to be miserable. Heck right. no. You know, I mean, that doesn't mean that it's all fun and games because it's absolutely not. It's a lot of work and it's a commitment, but that doesn't mean that we aren't going to enjoy it and have lots of fun along the way. And, and so making room in our life for playfulness and fun. And, you know, it may seem that you're doing something that has no quote unquote purpose, but if it's making your heart sing and making you joyful, then that that purpose is there because you're contributing to the joy and playfulness and light on the planet by doing that, which makes you happy and makes others happy. And that, I, I agree. And that's all we need to do. And I think where that thing comes from of, of questioning, you know, is this worthy somehow or other is only, only because of, you know, the media and this idea that, you know, we're not really doing anything unless they're making a news story about us. Right. Right. Or someone's making a movie about my life. Oh, you know, then I'm really doing something, and, right. and that's not true at all. No. Um, it, it can be as simple, just like you said. I do what I enjoy doing, and I let that be enough. Yeah. And that's it can stop right there, um, yep. but it can be hard to allow it to be so simple. Um, I'm thinking about the the path of prosperity that was so important to me, especially in the early years of my. Sobriety, and one of the prosperity principles, a core principle, is release or forgiveness. You know, particularly, of course, toward others. No one's no one's angry at trees, right? <laughs> it's, it's, it's Aunt Aunt Susie, Billy, whatever. It's relative, yeah. siblings, uh, family. That one person who did or that or didn't do that or whatever. That one teacher, um, and so a forgiveness practice is a is a formal way of doing it that's very much re reflected in steps four and five, yes. right? It's the same thing. And whenever I see something in a 12-step path that is parallels exactly a spiritual teaching I find in a completely different context, 
that really tells me this is truly central and truly important because I see it showing up right here in the middle of these time-tested spiritual paths like 12-step and like um, Unity's Prosperity Path. So I became willing to, you know, basically to unburden myself in order to release pent-up energy. And the energy that was released was just life energy, you know, by... By willing to, by being willing to acknowledge uh, resentments and and share them and let them go and do the prayer and meditation work or whatever was required around it to let those things go, I didn't realize how much energy it was taking just to carry that stuff around. Yeah. You know, until I let it go, only then did I realize, wow, I just feel I literally feel lighter. You know, something, yeah. some kind of something has been, some weight has been taken off my shoulders is what it felt like. And so it, it released energy. And now I know that energy is life energy that I could then direct in positive ways. Because certainly part of my drinking was also to tamp that down. You know, I don't want to, don't want that to get too out of control. Um, yeah. and so let me sort of use alcohol to pull it back and to just be okay like we were talking about yeah you know um you're talking about doing things for others and certainly the 12-step program talks a lot about being in service and doing for others and how much joy that brings us and purpose that that gives us and we have to walk that balance between taking care of ourselves and giving to others right I mean we, we talk about it being a selfish program it's a selfish program in that if we don't take care of our own business we have nothing to give others but that doesn't mean we want to stay focused on ourselves and ourselves only forever and ever you know, most of us are by nature self-centered and not in a bad way, like we're horrible people, but self-centered, like it took all of our energy focused on ourselves just to survive each day, just to cope. That was the way we coped with whatever it was we were dealing with, the trauma, you know, in our lives that um, brought us to our addictions. But um, so we walk that balance of taking care of ourselves, but then also getting out and being in service to others. And I know when I became a mother and that focus was suddenly off of me and onto another human being that needed my basically 24 seven love and attention and focus. Yes, it was exhausting and challenging, but it was a huge relief for me because I needed that help to get out of myself I had done, you know, many years of recovery at that point and had been very focused on myself and it was time for me to have some relief from that. (laughs) And I was just so happy to have this clear purpose every single day. I did not have to figure out what my day was supposed to be about or what I was supposed to be dedicated to or what I was supposed to be doing. That baby, as anyone who's become a parent knows, needed me constantly. And that was such a gift to me. Because I I was suddenly the happiest I'd ever been in my life. And I knew without a doubt every single day what my purpose was. My purpose was to care for this child and help him and feed him and clothe him and care for him. And the fact that I didn't have to be struggling with what my purpose was just gave me tremendous joy. And so whatever that thing is, when we find, you know, and, and, and then later on, my, another purpose came into my life, which was the call to ministry. And, and so I have a dual purpose now, but, um, you know, that, that 
our purpose is not always apparent early on. It takes time for it to unfold and find out what that thing is that really gives us purpose and allows that life, that vitality, that vigor, that enthusiasm to just be there naturally because it's our purpose. So if you haven't found it yet, you know, I didn't get the call to ministry until 20 one years into my sobriety so life is just always full of um twists and turns and surprises and just keep on keeping on and you just have no idea what's around the corner that's been my experience life has just been one surprise after another absolutely and uh, i can't stress enough how this thing we call life purpose i used to think of it had to be like this gigantic grand once and for all thing, you know, put it on the news yeah. level, uh, but it's not like that. It can be something very small seeming, you know, compared to movie stars and all that. And it can change. Yes. That's, that's been really important for me to learn and remember. It can change just because, you know, one year I was way into, you know, building stuff out of wood and made Christmas presents for everyone. That doesn't mean that I have to do that for the rest of my life, yeah. right? I can move on to a different thing and maybe it becomes playing the guitar for a while and then maybe it becomes, um, you know, some something else entirely. Yeah. But what I have found, and I'm, I'm basically going to repeat what you shared early on in the show, that at the core of it, at least for me, the, the all of this expressions of purpose sort of branch out from one central purpose, which I call spirituality, and, um, and, you know, a God connection. Yes. You know, uh, maintaining, uh, working with uh, what I call a God connection. That's what's foremost in my life. That's one reason I like being in uh, ministry is because I have chosen to do something that makes that, hopefully, makes that mandatory. Yes. You know, I'm all in as yep. far as the whole God connection thing. But let's take a breath now. Ooh, and shift our attention to a question or a comment from our listeners. So here's something that often comes up. I think that already came up in our discussion. Uh, goes like this. I've been sober for a while, but I still feel down a lot. What is going on? Yeah, well, I mean, I would say that that's totally normal, totally natural. It's the experience that a lot of us have. It doesn't mean that you're on the wrong path or that you've done anything wrong. It's just another layer of recovery. And frankly, you know, in early recovery in the first I don't know. For everyone, it's different. But I've, I heard someone, one of these big shot AA speakers say, you know, you're first year you're just detoxing you know you don't even you know it's just we think that we're supposed to sort of get it all right away and that's not the way it works you know I mean it takes us time to detox time to learn to just be sober and and so it's quite natural that you know your whole life doesn't just get perfect and wonderful overnight there's there's more work to be done this is a process and so hang on and keep doing what you're doing and keep doing what's working and I would say you know lots of self-care. I mean, I have a depression regimen, which is exercise, fresh air, time outdoors, time with my pets, time doing things I love, eating healthy, taking my supplements, taking my meds, all of the various things that I do to keep myself sane and above 
water, you know, and, and so you find what works for you, but finding something every day that gives you joy, it's okay to be playful and have fun and enjoy life. You know, the question ended with what is going on? And I, and I, I find that positive because it doesn't ask what's wrong because I think nothing is wrong. You're just uncomfortable, just like I was and sometimes am, and just like Reverend Michelle was and sometimes is still. Nothing is wrong. This is just part of the healing process. I've heard it said over and over in the rooms, time takes time. You know, it seems silly, but it's one of those core truths. And the saying I love, and I say it a lot, if if I walk 10 miles into the woods, I got to walk 10 miles out of the woods. You know, yeah. I can't drink for 5, 10, 20, 30 years and then all of a sudden be okay quickly. I'm going to have to, you know, do some digging out from what I've dug in. But don't quit before the miracle. It absolutely, absolutely gets better. It does. It gets better and better. And the miracle keeps changing. You keep getting new miracles. It's a gift that keeps giving, sobriety is. Well, as always, we like to give you an affirmation, and today our affirmation is, I breathe in life and I am energized by spirit. I like it short and sweet. I breathe in life and I am energized by spirit. Well, guess what? It's happened again. You've given yourself the gift of another hour listening to Spirit of Recovery. At least we like to think of it that way, so don't burst our (laughs) bubble, please. But we are absolutely grateful that you have. And we truly hope that you found something in all of our palavering that will be genuinely helpful to you in your own recovery. Thank you, Michelle, of course, again for our discussion. And thank you to all who are listening to the podcast via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We bless you all wherever you are on your recovery journey. And listeners, if you'd like, you can always connect with us throughout the week on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery, and please leave us your comments, thoughts, and feedback. And we invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time. And until then, don't drink like my co-host. And don't drink like my co-host. Instead, have yourself a wonder-filled week. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Intuition is our spiritual GPS and the single best tool that we have for navigating our lives. I'm Victoria Shaw, and on my Intuitive Connection podcast, I will share with you the ways to connect with your intuition and awaken the gifts of your soul. In each episode, I'll draw on my own intuitive gifts and my training as an Ivy League trained counselor and psychologist to help support you in reaching your highest potential. Start listening now on Mind Body Spirit FM Podcast Network or wherever you find your podcasts.